listening to a Drishti Point podcast. Please visit our website for more inspiring interviews on yoga, spirituality, and wellness. You're listening to Drishti Point. This is Farhan Israeli, and I'm here on the phone with Dorothy Rituzny. Dorothy is a certified psychotherapist who specializes in cognitive therapy and author of two books, one of which is called The Purpose of Love, a guidebook for defining and cultivating the most relationship, the most significant relationship in your life and live your life's purpose. Dorothy will be in Vancouver this weekend for a workshop called Being Love, and that's the subject of our interview today. Welcome, Dorothy. Thank you. Wonderful to be here with you. So, Dorothy, I thought I would ask you a little bit about um, this workshop that you're doing, Being Love, and what it's all about and how you developed it and what you hope um, it will offer to the people who come. Wow, those are wonderful questions. Thank you. Um, The topic comes in part from the title of my new meditation CD, Being Love. And I'm working on a third book right now, which has a lot of sort of similar content to the workshop. And what I hope that people will come away with is just this notion that we don't um, need to look to others, nor should we, to feel loved. We, We will, but what's most important is that we learn how to cultivate this sense of love from within ourselves. And when we, when we recognize how to do that, and I'm going to show people in the workshop how to do that, then we're really free to be our most highest potential in the world. We're really free to love unconditionally, which is a whole other topic, which I want people to begin to think of it in a practical way that they can walk around in their lives being unconditionally loving. And also when we talk about relationships, which was the topic of of one of the books I wrote, you mentioned, The Purpose of Love, most of the time we look to others to complete us, to love us, to validate us. And I want to show people how all of that can come from external sources, but really needs to come from within us. So a a lot of wonderful things that they're going to discover in the workshop this weekend. So the capacity to generate love for yourself um, and the feeling of being loved is is the focus of your workshop. Is that right? It is. And I'm going to show people with meditation techniques and with their, their own intuitive sense, um, as well as some information on their chakras, their heart chakra in particular. I want to show them how they can really open their heart center how they can be loving even in the face of somebody not being as loving back to them. It's mm-hmm. really powerful. It's really powerful stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can I can imagine that for someone who's not in touch with that source of power or truth within them, that it can be completely transformative. Right, exactly. Now, how did you come to develop this... Um, meditation CD in this workshop? Was it through your own personal experience or was it through what you were seeing in the people you were seeing as a psychotherapist? Well, that's interesting because the books I've written come from um, my work as a psychotherapist and, you know, the the work that I do and the people that um, share their stories inspired me to the topics of the books. 
But in this particular case and with this CD, actually I had clients um, continually say, you know, when are you going to make a CD? Because I would lead, I, I do lead group meditation practices. I've always taught individual clients in my practice how to meditate, how to use relaxation techniques, how to calm their mind. Um, so I kept getting these messages, you know, for a meditation CD, and finally I just began to listen to that. So that's where part of the, the energy and the idea for the CD came about. But to answer your question fully, my own journey um, definitely was a part of this because a while back I had this interesting thought, what if I were to simply just walk around in the world being unconditionally loving? Now, I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it and I can do it all the time, but what if I embrace that concept as a way of being? And as you move along that path, if that's something that you commit to, it opens you. It opens you to realize when you close your heart, when you allow hurt or pain or sorrow to um, keep you stifled in, in being able to feel. And what I'm seeing with my clients, of course, it's perfect in terms of the divine timing of it. I'm seeing more and more clients not able to actually... Um, improve their self-esteem or build their confidence because they're so closed from being hurt in their past experiences that there's no room, there's no opening for them to love themselves. So part of this workshop, as well as, you know, the work in the CD that, that I'm guiding people through, is about learning how to self-care, self-love. It's a, it's a term that's used really frequently, but how many of us actually know what it means? Mm -hmm. So yes, my personal journey was definitely a part of this. And when I teach clients, you know, not to get so involved in the drama of what's happening in their lives and pull out of it and simply focus on being love, it, it changes, it shifts their whole perception of what's going on and it allows them to move beyond the drama, which often doesn't even, you know, have to do with them, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, and just love. And when you just love, it doesn't mean you agree with somebody's bad behavior. It means that you can love the human being even if you don't accept or <laughs> like their behavior. And for some clients, it means maybe shifting away from certain relationships that are not helpful, that are not loving, but you can still honor and love the human being, even if you don't want to remain in that relationship with them. Mm -hmm. What comes to mind as I hear you speak is the concept of loving kindness, cultivating yes. a, a feeling and connection with other people. Yes. Your own meditation practice, is it influenced by any particular spiritual path or teachings? It's funny because <laughs> I, I came to meditation from a very different place than I think most people. I, I expect or imagine people come to meditation through yoga, tai chi. Um, I came to it through sports <laughs> and sports psychology because that was the route of my career path. And I was working a lot with elite athletes and relaxation training and we didn't call it meditation then, but it really was that. It was this idea of focusing the mind and calming the mind and, and relaxing the body, using biofeedback and all kinds of cool equipment to measure your, your, your thermal response and all this neat stuff. And I never stopped. I never stopped incorporating it. And it shifted as I began to read more of the different 
um, religions, world religions, and study Buddhism and study other. I, I think, I, I mean, I've studied all of the major religions, but I certainly, I certainly feel as though um, the the spirituality part came um, and incorporated itself in my meditation teachings from my own journey and just just working with the highest divine that we can all uh, tap into. So not necessarily aligning myself with one religion, organized religion, but rather pulling the most common concepts from all, which, by the way, all talk about this notion of being love and helping people to, to connect with their divine source so that they can be their most powerful potential. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that um, comes to mind when you speak about meditation is the the preciousness of being still and the importance of that in our lives that are so busy, where we're constantly stimulated and the agitation and restlessness it can create um, when we don't take time out or pause. Can you speak a little bit about that state of cultivating stillness and the power within it? You raise a really important question and struggle for for most of us. And in this workshop this weekend, and certainly in my CD and my in my books, I I help people to embrace the notion of being energy, and not to focus as much on our physical self and our physical world, but to make some space to be and exist as a being of energy. And what's important about stillness when we think of ourselves as as a spiritual being is the physicalness, the physical human part of us absolutely needs to be still in order and quiet (laughs) for us to connect with our energy, right? To feel our energy. Our energy... um, it, I want to say it, it, it's harder or it, it feels a little bit more um, sporadic to to actually connect with when we're moving, when we're being busy. And we're all taught that being busy and productive is, is aligned with success and achieving. But actually, when you begin to do reading and study on meditation practice, we know that we can create a lot more and manifest, perhaps the better word, much more by being still and aligning our our mind, training our mind to focus on, together with our heart desire, what we really want. And that comes most easy when we're still and calm. Mm-hmm. So part of what we'll do in the workshop is come to that place of calm and connect with our heart center. And I will show people how important it is to use the desire of our heart center, our our deepest desire that comes from a true want from our heart versus our head. We might think we want a million dollars um, as a salary or more, but our heart says, I want to have the flexibility to pick up my kids after school, or I want to have the freedom to to go on a family vacation. That 
that shifts our, our true desire. So helping people to become aligned with what I call their truth, which really comes from the heart center, um, happens best when we're calm and when we can be still and when we can really be honest with ourselves about what is most important for us. I hope I answered your question in that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. There was something you said earlier on that I'd like to come back to. Um, you mentioned working with the chakras. And of course, yeah. in yoga, this is a, a very important part of the practice of yoga is the, uh, the effect of yoga on our subtle body or on our subtle energy. Right. And when you were speaking about the heart, I was thinking in particular about the many ways that the subconscious is heavy with our past, especially pain from our past. Um, Can you speak a little bit about how you help people to let go of, of the things from their past that block their heart from being open or in, and in particular, how you use the, um, chakras in your workshop and in your meditation? Sure. Um, and interestingly, I, I just did a chakra meditation workshop in Toronto this past weekend and, and, oh my goodness, it was amazing. So I hope to be doing more of those. Um, we can't simultaneously be angry or, or hurt or jealous or violent and at the same time be love. So if you think about somebody that's suffering from some past hurt or wound, if I show them how to go into their heart chakra and to open it, and to simply feel what it's like to bring energy from the divine into them, into that region, and to feel the, the presence of love as energy, that we, the energy of love that we feel in our heart center, then that empowers them. That empowers them to feel a sense of, of love from within, even if there is that pain or hurt that's somewhere attached to a, a past experience. And then the beauty of cognitive therapy and how I work as a therapist ties lovely here because I also teach a lot of cognitive tools about how we can change our perceptions and change the story and the drama that we create in our minds, that we build in our minds based on what we tell ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So in another way, I would help people to explore their, their past wound and help them to see it from a different perspective, and then to tie the two together to to bring love and the energy of love to whether it's to their inner child um, at that time the event occurred to the other person. And usually we can you know easily forgive the person even if we don't always forgive their actions right away. To forgive the person, knowing that that person in that moment isn't the same person they are today. To help people find ways to forgive and and basically send or, or feel love toward the individual or the situation to help heal it. Mm-hmm. And there's some beautiful ways in which I show people how to, with their heart chakra energy to to heal that past hurt um, simultaneously with thinking about the situation differently so in essence 
um, they can think back to that situation and their feeling about it has changed. It's softened, the intensity of the emotion has decreased, and largely they, you know, they begin to they begin to see and, and perceive that whole experience differently. So they can they can think about it and it doesn't affect them in the same way as it once did. As you're saying that, I can just imagine um, that, you know, when you when you go into a wound, you feel the pain, but to connect with the divine and connect with a different source of energy within us would be kind of like a healing salve for the wound. So I Absolutely. Think it it, uh, it sounds like it would be quite effective. <clears throat> Absolutely. And it's something that people learn to do for themselves, which is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So do you recommend, and, and does your own um, meditation practice involve a daily sitting practice? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, it was funny when we first um, talked about doing the interview, it would have been, I guess, 11 o'clock my time. <laughs> and I'm such an early riser. I'm really grateful that we were able to, to shift that. But between 3 and 6 in the morning, we know that that's the best time to sit in quiet practice. I personally feel this amazing energy of the, of the earth, at least in my hemisphere, being so quiet and the energy being so still. But really, it's about wherever people can find the space to to practice and whatever time that might be. But yes, to answer your question, I definitely sit sometimes <laughs> sometimes upwards of two hours if I have the time just to just to be still. And everyone should know that it sometimes it takes a while to get to stillness, especially, you know, if if our minds are so, so active and busy and that that is why the morning is such a good time because it's before we get into the day before our mind starts to zoom and race and, you know, become so busy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's incredible. The, um, you know, in yoga, they call that our Brahma Murta because it has such a special um, energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I look forward to it. Like, I... I I know that exercise and sleep and, and healthy eating are all so important for us, but um, I see in my in my client base people that have begun, even if it's a short 10-minute, 15-minute regular meditation practice, how much it changes and shifts them, how they walk into their day feeling more calm, more at peace, and to know that you can be driving in your car in rush hour traffic and doing some conscious breathing, it, it shifts it really it literally shifts the brain activity so that you you become calmer. You you look at things differently. Things don't bother or upset you in the same way. And that's a significant non-drug <laughs> approach to, to living your life, right? And if you think about all the things we're prescribed medication for, um, when you can simply learn to meditate, wow, how profound is that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me a little bit about um, your connection to the practice of yoga and the way that you um, came to your understanding and experience of the heart chakra. Well, a lot of the um, a lot of the work that um, I do is 
I'm a big believer in practicing what you preach. So a lot of my own spiritual journey has been a beautiful source of inspiration for my practical work. And it's lovely that I'm coming back to Vancouver because my my first yoga experience, perhaps more than 10 years ago, was a Bikram class in Vancouver. And I fell in love with yoga. It was the most amazing, amazing experience. I'm sure people, you know, will always remember their first yoga class. But I, I've come to yoga and I've, I've weaved in and out of it. In other words, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've been very attentive to uh, formal practice in a class. And then I've done my own, you know, practice at home and specific postures. And, and I know one day I'll, I will do the teacher training, <laughs> but, but how it, how it's, it, 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 intersperses in my life today is I'm I'm very aware of how it allows us as a as a human race to use physical movement to um, because we're comfortable with that remember we talked about we're we're socialized to be productive and busy right so mm-hmm. I understand how the physical movement of yoga is the beginning place the starting place and then with practice we begin to notice how um, we then can feel and see the the stilling of the mind over time and it's funny because i'm i'm well known wherever i go to probably be the last one in shavasana (laughs) in the room because you know to me i love the stillness part and i i want to say to people who jump off their mat at the end and run to the showers no stay (laughs) stay for two more minutes but but i think to try to answer your question best, however we um, experience yoga, however it lends itself to the ability of us connecting as more than our physical self to experience our our the energy in our body as we you know hold different postures and as we experience some of the, the challenges of, of of what yoga gives to us, I think that's most important. And just the idea that we may begin with movement, but we need to be in stillness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I'd like to come back to where we started the interview with the um, the CD and the book and the topic being love. And you started off by saying that when we connect with that source of love within us, we can... We can experience ourselves being loved and loving others unconditionally and I'm wondering if you can give some concrete and tangible examples of what that looks like in our experiences and in our relationships so to understand your question to give some examples of how it looks to experience love from within right mm-hmm. so Simply, um, probably one of the easiest ways is when you meditate and you feel a sense of calm, even if it's just for a few moments, and you realize that you can create this calmness, whether it's specifically through your breath or maybe you're using a visualization, um, it means that we can calm ourselves at any moment in a relationship when we might be reacting, we can begin to come to it from a place of conscious choice. So we know we can 
choose calm. We know we can choose to say nothing or to to become calm before we speak. Um, these are things that require discipline, and yet through meditation, um, we begin to become a lot more consciously aware of how we are in our relationships. We don't just react to somebody's, let's say, hurtful comment or or let's say it's a behavior that we're we're not crazy about. We begin to choose and we begin to act um, in a way that perhaps we've decided. If you decide you want to be more loving in your relationship, it requires some conscious thought as to how that's going to look tangibly. Do I want to hold my tongue before I I say something sarcastic? Do I want to give a compliment versus a criticism? It begins with choosing how you want to be. And in my work with clients, I'm really big on encouraging them to specifically think and write ways in which they want to become in their life so that they're not just focusing on what they're not doing so well, but what they want to do better. And that helps them move toward that. And another quick example, tangibly, is um, when you develop a, a practice of meditation or, or when you make more of a conscious effort to be loving or both, it allows you to look at your relationships differently. And in some cases, it may mean letting go or distancing yourself from some relationships that are not adding to the quality of your life. And that you're not judging that person or that relationship, but you're allowing yourself to acknowledge what the relationship is. And perhaps you can't make it what you want it to be. And, and that's a big um, learning for a lot of people. And to release and let that go and to focus on a relationship that you want to cultivate. This is important because in couple relationships particularly, but also with friendships and family, we assume we have to just work it out um, or make it work. <laughs> and our current level of divorce and the ideas that we might have began with, you know, hundreds of years ago don't work anymore. So if a relationship isn't serving our highest potential, if we're not spiritually compatible with that person anymore, we've developed all these social mores about how it's wrong to separate and divorce, when really, when we allow ourselves to move away from a relationship that is harmful or unhealthy, we then allow ourselves the space and freedom to open to a relationship that's going to be what we need or what we desire. And not again to not again to make us whole, but because we need something different in our life. And it's incredible because I I just ran into a colleague who I hadn't known she had separated from her husband, and she was one of the first people maybe six months ago to talk about her separation and her continued friendship with her former husband with a sense of appreciation, with a sense of acceptance, with a sense of positiveness and it was so inspiring because it was like it doesn't have to be a bad thing to disconnect from a relationship that's no longer working <laughs> and so I think if we're being loved we can love a person love the human being but we don't have to necessarily spend 40 more years with them mm -hmm. right 
<laughs> it, free, it frees us. It frees us to be our, our, our highest self that way. Absolutely. I, I can definitely say that there are some relationships in my life that are best as distant relationships, and I can yeah. be loving <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when there's uh, some distance. Yes. So um, I can definitely appreciate a lot of what you're saying. Thank you. Dorothy, as we bring this interview to a close, is there anything you'd like to share that we haven't had a chance to talk about that might inspire people to think more deeply about what it means to embrace meditation and connect with our heart chakra or to even maybe consider coming to the workshop that you'll be offering in Vancouver? Well, I, I know we all, as human beings, have been hurt, and we all have closed our heart chakras down, even if we haven't been aware of doing so. I, I would say that for anyone, and I, I suspect that it includes all of us on the planet, for anyone who wants to open themselves to experience their life and whatever of their life remains for them here in a physical sense as far more fulfilling, far more exciting, invigorating to allow, to allow them to do and experience things they may never have imagined or thought they could it requires that they learn how to open their heart. It requires that they come from a place of love. And there are many um, old adages, you know, that speak to this, and they're all true, but love is the most powerful thing, right? <laughs> so if, if, if they are hurting, if they are feeling wounded, or if they are sad or angry or lost, all that stuff, requires an awareness of coming back to themselves, going within themselves for um, their answers and their truth. And when they learn how to open their heart center, that they can do this on demand, um, they experience their life in a whole different way. It's so, it's so incredibly empowering. I hope that that helps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and lastly, just a curiosity on my part, what's your, I mean, I, I know that you um, have lived in Vancouver because you spoke about that during the interview, but do you have a particular connection to the Ashtanga yoga community here in Vancouver? Um, I I hope to build more of a connection. I, I, um, I, uh, I've been practicing Ashtanga a little bit more, um, more recently, and I hope to perhaps begin my teacher training at some point with that um, realm of yoga. Um, maybe because I come to it more as a former athlete and, and I, I kind of resonate with, with that experience. But truly, I mean, um, I'm just looking forward to being back um, and and hopefully seeing many people who would like to, to explore their heart-centeredness and this idea of being loved. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being with us here on Drishti Point, and uh, it was really lovely to hear all of the wisdom and insight that uh, you have to offer for our listeners, and it was 
really lovely to spend the morning talking about love. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> um, just one more question on my part. Um, I'm curious what your thesis is on as a PhD. Yes. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, this, this, um, this PhD in metaphysics um, incorporates science and spirituality and um, world religions. And I'm at a place right now where I'm, where I'm putting together the thesis topic, but I suspect it will be on a lot of what I'm, I'm doing workshops and teachings on. And um, I suspect that it's going to have some notion of this work on on being love as a, as a state of being but as i'm beginning to call it as a movement in the world so mm-hmm. i'll keep you posted on that one farah <laughs> yeah definitely and by the way you're an awesome you're an awesome inter- interviewer so thank you very much for your questions oh it's it's thank you i appreciate that i love doing the the work that i do it's such a pleasure for me <laughs> so much fun yeah it, it shows <laughs> it shows it shows and uh, you're coming into town on Thursday, is that right, or is it Friday? So I'll, I'll be um, I'll be arriving in Vancouver Friday, March 22nd, and heading to Victoria for three workshops, and then I'll be back on Sunday, March 24th, for the uh, workshop on love. If I could say where it is or what time. Oh, I'll definitely mention that on the radio. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And so you'll be in Victoria. That's great. Yeah, another one of my favorite places in the world. But yes, yes. And uh, um, I get a chance to, to kind of do it all while I'm there. So I'm very fortunate. And uh, do you, is this the first time you're coming for these particular workshops? Or have you been coming to Vancouver and Victoria for other workshops? It's, it's, it's the first time as a working trip. And I'm hoping that the community, the yoga community, as you know, are so lovely. I'm hoping that it's going to be at least an annual thing. This Being Love workshop is really, while I'm doing them about an hour and a half in session, they're really, um, they're really, um, it's just so much information. They're really actually ideal for a full day or even a weekend. So I'm hoping to come back again and really give people um, a lot more time to experience all this wonderful stuff um, in, a, in a longer workshop and, and weekend. Because mm-hmm. I imagine there, a longer workshop would give time for more practice of the tools and more um, time to experience things. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Well, great. I hope that that works out for you and uh, I'm sure I hope you have a receptive audience in both Vancouver and Victoria and um, I don't know if uh, I teach on the weekends um, but do keep me posted if you're in Vancouver again and uh, this the notice that came out from my end actually I the day that I got the email was the day that I emailed you which is quite late in terms of booking off time and stuff so um if you know you're going to be in vancouver or victoria please let me know as soon as you know so that we can maybe schedule another interview or um you know i might have the possibility to attend myself i would love that i definitely will do that yes great (laughs) 
Well, thanks again for um, for your time. And once we broadcast this interview, um, then I will post it on the website uh, within a day or two. So hopefully it'll be up by Wednesday. I'll try to get it up by Wednesday evening. Um, That's wonderful. Thank you. That's so sweet of you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. Yeah, and lovely to talk to you. Like I said, you're you're natural at this. I hope you'll do this for a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, it's wonderful. And and I've I've heard some of your podcasts, and they're they're just wonderful. So good for you. Oh, really? You've heard some of them? I definitely I definitely check some of them out. Absolutely, and and it's just wonderful to hear how you interview and and the content and the topics and yeah one of the people you interviewed was the owner of the vegetarian restaurant in Toronto that I've been to and oh, loved yes. his food. <laughs> so it it all comes full circle and and again it's just your way of asking questions and your your thoughtfulness it makes for a really interesting listen and interview so well done all right. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really appreciate You're welcome. That. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Thank you again. We'll, uh, we'll keep in touch, and uh, I'll send you the link once it's posted. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye, Farah. Thank you for listening to Drishti Point. We dedicate our efforts to the health and happiness of our listeners and for the health and happiness of all living beings.